Hey there, and welcome to episode 10, season two of Rainbow Bridge Connection. I'm Kayla, and I'm here with Nikki. Hello. Hello. So we have a amazing guest for you again. Like, we just keep pumping them out, and like, we just keep getting better and better and better. Like, I'm so excited. Like, this is going to be great. So we have Darlene who is the executive director for NOMVI, which is Not One More Vet. Nikki, would you like to take it away? Yes. Hi, Darlene. Thank you so much for taking time for us. We really appreciate it. Um, (laughs) Go go on, tell us. I was just going to say hi. I'm glad to be here with both you and Kayla. Thank you. So tell us what this means. Not One More Vet incorporated what is this yeah so back in 2014 um a very prominent veterinarian named dr sophia yin um who did a lot of behavior uh studies with veterinarians she's sort of on the the scope of like you know positive training and and different kinds of behavior things she was a big hero in the veterinary industry One of those people that always had a big smile on her face, was considered one of the more positive people in the whole world, always happy. Um, Well, she um, died by suicide and her death um, created some stir and some talk in the media about how there were studies indicating that veterinarians in particular, and I'm going to talk veterinarians for a minute and then I'm going to get to everybody else, I promise. Um, but at that time there was talk about how veterinarians have a higher than average suicide rate and that they have numerous mental health problems that, you know, go back to James Harriet, right. Um, that are not new, but are not talked about. So James Harriet. Oh, great question. So, um, are you familiar with all creatures great and small? Yes. Yes. So that's him. He is the veterinarian slash author of, um, those books and he's a real person. And um, he himself had mental health problems. And in fact, his mentor who in the, the uh, um, I'm trying to think of his name, Siegfried. Mm-hmm. Siegfried died by suicide. So um, the, this is not something that's new. This is something that we know goes back a long way and there's not been a lot of talk about it. So there was a Bay Area veterinarian named Dr. Nicole MacArthur. So she came from a family of vets. She's married to a vet, she's a vet, and she had no idea. So she started to reach out via Facebook to her colleagues and the people that she went to school with and say, hey, do you guys know about this? Should we talk about this? And they started to talk about it um, on a private Facebook group. Now today, we have three groups. We have veterinarians, we have support staff, which includes you know vet techs mm. and veterinary assistants and everybody right in that realm. Mm. And we also have a student page and all together, we have 35,000 people across the world that are part of these groups because the need was so great. Like everybody wanted to talk about this. Like, yes, I'm feeling all this pressure. I'm feeling all this stress and I wanna talk about it. And I wanna talk about it to people who understand. and. Uh, know where I'm coming from. So that's really the very beginnings of the organization. And then in 2017, we formed a 501c3 nonprofit and really became an organization, a charity whose purpose is to transform the status of wellness in the profession so that all veterinary professionals can survive and thrive 
And we do that with resources, education, and support. And we have a number of different programs that I can go into any number of detail about, but that's kind of the beginnings of the organization. So that name, Not One More Vet, really comes from the very beginnings from that Facebook page where Dr. MacArthur was just feeling like, I don't want to go through this again. I don't want to see another vet lose their life. Mm-hmm. Um, that. So why, 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 why? Um, yeah. So there's, I mean, there's no one prescriptive reason, right? Um, but there are factors that contribute that have been identified in different studies. And um, we actually have a web page that I would be remiss if I didn't tell you to that is didn't tell you about that is for pet parents. So mm-hmm. it is to help pet parents specifically understand this. And so if you mm-hmm. go to Navi's, um, which is just Navi.org, um, you go to the about section, there's a little linked page that says pet parent. And there's a lot of good information there, but some of the factors include that this is a profession that has high debt load um, for both veterinarians and vet techs. They all have to go to school. And when you think about it, veterinarians go to school for eight plus years, right? So they spend as much money as human doctors do. Um, They don't make anywhere near as much. Um, So they have the second highest debt to income ratio in the the health industry that that was actually just released recently. Um, And they also don't get the same level of respect that human doctors do, right? Like people don't treat them with the same reverence that they do. I can't. And I hate to interrupt you. Yeah. But the thing is, I, I have much more respect for veterinarians than I do medical doctors for human. I'm with you, Nikki. I'm with you. You know, and that's a bold thing to say, but here we are. Well, I mean, think about it. They've got multiple species, right? Mm -hmm. To take care of. The human doctors have exactly one. Um, human doctors all really specialize and these guys have to be everything from, you know, there's an earache in the puppy to there's a heart problem and it needs surgery. They have to do everything. Um, no, I'm with you. I think it's, and, and then you get into, you know, large animal medicine. I wouldn't know the first thing what to do with a horse, you know, or a cow. So I have an enormous amount of respect for what they do. But I do too. Yeah. Take a look at, take a look at Facebook and you know spend some time on there and it will become apparent quickly that people do not um in general there is a sense that you know that you can learn more from google than you can from your veterinarian that they all have some sort of agenda that they all make a bunch of money you know none of it's true um we actually have a myth reality thing on our facebook page about different myths that people believe about uh, veterinarians and the realities and i'll just tell you a couple so myth Client expressing dissatisfaction with veterinary professionals online is justified criticism. The reality is that at least one in five veterinary professionals has reported being cyberbullied, um, and many of them choose to leave their jobs. Myth, veterinary professionals do not experience financial stress. Reality, veterinary professionals are often lifting, living paycheck to paycheck. And this is especially true for vet techs and CSRs, and they're the ones that get a lot of the flack, right? Veterinary mm-hmm. professionals should be able to answer questions online whenever I need their help. Um, the reality is licenses and mental wellness are at risk with quick questions. Um, so there's a lot, right? And then the other thing is, is that people want them to work for free all the time. They want them to work when they're at a party trying to relax. Oh, come look at my dog. Um, 
there's just a lot there. You can't even get away from it. And then, and there's a little video about this on our webpage. If you think about the day, a day in the life of a veterinary professional. Um, so we have a new puppy come in with a family. They're so excited. You have this squirmy little worm baby and his tail's wagging and everyone is filled with joy about this puppy and they do their wellness intake and everything is great. And then they have to go to the next room and a dog that they have been taking care of all its life is, has got to go. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they are with a family, they're crying. They are just as impacted. You know, I'm just as they're impacted. I'm not gonna say just as impacted. They're impacted. They know this animal. They love this animal. They've cared for this animal and they have to say goodbye and they have to watch a grieving family say goodbye mm -hmm. and they're late to the next meeting. And you've got someone in the next meeting who's angry that they've had to wait and they have to turn off all of that emotion and get on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. And then there's another puppy and they have to turn off all this emotion and go back to the happy family because it's not like they can walk in to the puppy meeting with tears still in their eyes. And it's just right. like this roller coaster all right. day, every day. Um, and so that is a really stressful job. And then when you add in things like talking to people and economic euthanasia, people that don't have the money to care for yeah. their animals and the anger and pain that comes from that. I mean, there's just a lot, there's a lot. <laughs> and it is a very stressful job. And I'm talking about about pet vets, but I want to be clear that all of these stressors also apply to large animal veterinarians, mm -hmm. um, veterinarians that work in zoos and other non-traditional settings, and of course, shelter veterinarians. So I, I'm giving examples from pet vets, but they're all experiencing these same kinds of stressors. Mm -hmm. So talk to us a little bit about um, anticipatory grief as far as veterinarians go. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's it's one of those things that they don't have, they, they're taught in veterinary school um, that this is gonna be a part of their job. And unlike most human um, doctors, it's gonna happen a lot more often, right? It's gonna happen daily. And so yeah. you wake up and you know that you are probably or very likely going to be putting to sleep a minimum of one animal that day. And then sometimes, you know, multiple animals. And so how, how you handle that is really a matter, matter of your mental wellness and where you are. And I think that people can handle that if they're in, a, they're in a good space, but to be in a good space means that all these other factors in life have to be, you have to work on those too, right? And some of them are directly related to your job and the stressors with your job and not necessarily everything else. So I think that um, managing that needs to be taken in account with everything else on the bigger picture. I agree. Sorry, that's Joe. She's Aww. just chiming in. Yes, just things to say. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, I, I agree with that. And um, it's, uh, I think it's difficult to navigate that. Like, and the further you get into practice, the more you are, are dealing with this, right? You know, cause you go year one, you meet the, the great puppy, you know, it's got its whole life ahead of it. Year five, the dog's aging, you know, maybe you have a couple of issues along the way. And then year 12, like 
you're looking at their demise. And for a human being, that's only halfway into their career. Right. Exactly. Yes. And then when you get to like, you know, my, my dog's doctor, it has been around for a long time and I, he's probably known a lot of dogs throughout their entire life, you know? Um, and, and, you know, I, my vet, I'll go to whatever links I have to, we, we drive now 45 minutes, even though we moved to go to the same vet. And I'm sure there are a lot of people like that. We're because we love our vet and it's very important that our dog have good healthcare. Um, so yeah, I think that that's, that's a part of the job and you may know that cognitively when you're going into it, but the further you get in your career, the more you really know it. Right. That kind of made me, uh, think about, you know, times are changing and we're really glad the times are changing, but also the way people look at their animals are changing as well. So I almost wonder if it might be getting worse for them in the fact that people are a lot more serious about their companion animals now versus 20, 30 years ago, where it was, oh, Fluffy's dying. We got to put it down. Oh, it's sad. Moving on. Where now it's like, they're a part of our family. That is my child, you know, type of thing. And having to experience that bad news with telling somebody that is so intertwined with their companion animal, it makes me wonder if like, it's getting worse for the veterinarians that are having to deal with everything you know, going on because people are so much more like, uh, I don't want to say into, but so much more having that link. I mean, I certainly think that that's the case. Um, I, I mean, that's absolutely, I think people treat their animals and look at their animals differently. And I think that COVID created some additional stressors. Like one, people started to pay more attention to their animals during COVID, right? And they started to notice things that were wrong and the veterinary industry had a really hard time keeping up with uh, the demand for their services. In addition to, you know, the COVID puppy phenomenon, in addition to them being short staffed because people got COVID and people were sick. And um, when when you pile onto all of that curbside, which created a lot of anxiety for um, pet owners. Um, And you pile onto that, and I'm just, this is my opinion, does not reflect the opinion of not one more vet. I don't think people are as nice to each other as they were pre-COVID. I just don't. And all of that is really adding up at the veterinarian's office in terrible ways. Like I have seen videos of people actually like assaulting veterinarians over guinea pigs. I don't know if you saw that one. That one went viral during Oh my gosh. And yeah, just just really scary things happening and um, people just being told horrible, horrible things. I heard a story the other day, I won't say where it was to protect everybody, but um, a woman was mad about um, their bill or something and basically tried to run over a vet tech who was taking their dog, bringing their dog out um, for um, curbside and almost hit their own dog at the same time just a nightmare. Um, And so, you know, veterinarians offices are firing clients because they have to. Um, They're like, that person was fired. The person can't go back ever again. And uh, as as they should not be allowed to, right? But, But that's a stressor too, right? Because there's so much 
there's just so much to all of that. Like, right. You're, you're firing someone who's paying you. You're also having to go through all the angst that they have. And then, you know, they're going to go online and say, Oh, this place is terrible. And they're so mean and they're so terrible and going to slam you online. And so it's just all of these things really piled up and our organization ended up expanding. Um, about tenfold during COVID because there was just so much need for our services. So we, we do a lot of peer support and one-on-one -on -one support and it was just so needed and it still is, but that's really during COVID is really when it um, took off. So basically you just brought it full circle from that almost original question that I asked, which is why, why, why? And you kind of, you really went into depth like regarding the, I don't know, the liabilities that the, the veterinarian is up against, you know, things that we don't think about, right? So um, in closing, what would you say, like, what are your words of wisdom to veterinarians, but also to people that are interacting with veterinarians, like they're the parents or the guardians of particular patients? Yeah, I mean, my advice to veterinarians is to get and seek help. Um, don't allow stigma to stop you from getting the help that you need. And that's what we're here for. So any, any person in the veterinary professional can come to us and we'll find them what they need. If we don't offer it, we'll find someone that does. Um, but we'll make sure you get whatever it is. We have grant programs. We have one-on-one -on -one programs. We have... Um, in, in work programs, we have all kinds of stuff and we're gonna find you what you need and get you taken care of. For pet parents, I would say, you know, that kindness is always the key, right? Understanding and kindness. People are, veterinarians and vet techs and CSRs, they're all human and they all do make mistakes. So I think the first thing to understand that is that if they make a mistake, they're still a human and they're still trying their best. And that you should always believe that the person caring for your animal at 100% has your animal's best interest in mind. If you really don't believe that, then take your animal somewhere else. But that doesn't mean you need to attack them because you could be wrong. You just don't know the whole story. Right. And you don't know what someone's day is like. You never know what someone's day is like when you are with them. I thought you were going to talk longer. I'm sorry, I put myself on mute. <laughs> I apologize. Okay. Well, that's wonderful. I really, really appreciate you giving the perspective on both the um, patient, the guardian of the patient, as well as, of course, the veterinarian, which we're focusing on. So with that, we're going to wrap it up. Kayla, do you have anything else that you want to yeah. Them. Yeah. I, well, uh, first of all, I want you guys to go check out, you got to go check out their page. It's N O M V.org. They have a lot of really good information. Like she had mentioned before. Um, if you, uh, click, I believe it's on their, uh, mission page. It's about mission. And then there's a link for pet parents. You can click that. And it has a really, really good resource to take a look at. Um, I know me and Nikki have been really like adamant that, you know, veterinarians, we've, we've said it many, many times. Veterinarians have a very hard job. They have many different species that they have to work with. They have to, you know, have, um, the wherewithal to handle, uh, you know, 
like she said, euthanizing animals and then walking into the next room and having to collect it and, and, you know, see the, the next animal next door. I know that they are slammed every single time I go to my veterinarian's office, it is back to back to back to back appointments. And so I can see where that would really, really wear on you. And like you said, I think definitely being kind to them and understanding that people have bad days. And there's also within any industry, there can be, you know, um, bad experiences that you have had with, you know, an industry. And like she said, it's, you can choose to go somewhere else. You're not abide, you know, you don't have to, to specifically go to this one vet for the rest of your life or the, the, the rest of your companion animal's life. And if you are concerned about a situation, you can always get a second opinion. Nine times out of 10 in my situation, my veterinarians have been applauding and yeah, go get a second opinion. Definitely. If you think that, you know, you need help or you think that maybe there's something they can see that I, I haven't been able to see, do it. So they're not going to fault you for that or be mad or anything like that. It, you know, if you are having, you know, issues with a specific veterinarian that, you, that you're seeing, and I think it's great what you guys are doing. What you guys are doing is amazing. And I don't want to put you on the spot, but I wanted to ask you, um, would you ever consider as a nonprofit adding in possibly the, you know, people that are in the rescue community that are having um, issues because their suicide rate is extremely high as well and unfortunate. And I think it kind of goes hand in hand with the veterinarians and the veterinarian staff of the reasonings why, you know, they're seeing some horrible stuff and they're seeing horrible they're saying the worst of what humans can do a lot of times. And I, I think I'm not, I don't think I've heard of any resources. Have you heard any resources for um, the rescue community or? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you asked that question. So I, I don't know offhand. Mm -hmm. um, I wish I did for them specifically, but what I do know is that we recently hired a staff person who is working on two of our really important new initiatives. And um, his name is Danny Rosenmund, and mm -hmm. he's from the shelter um, community. In fact, he mm -hmm. his most recent job was as a director of a shelter, mm -hmm. and now he's working with us. And he is the person to contact about this. He is okay. actually going to be talking with shelter folks and working on what what that could look like. Mm -hmm. So you just he's if you go on our website and you go um, to the leadership page, it actually has everybody on there, including his picture and everything. Okay, and there's an email link for him. Or you can always email, or you can always email info mm -hmm. at nambi.org mm -hmm. and with any, any question about anything, mm -hmm. and I'll get you to the right person. And if it's about shelter medicine, I'll send you to Danny. Um, but yeah, I do think it's important. I couldn't agree with you more. Mm -hmm. And that is definitely, you know, that is definitely something that is a, a possibility. I just, I can't say like, you know, right. what it's going to look like. Right totally understand that that is a piece and you know we already cover anyone who's doing veterinary work in a shelter of course right. it's a vet tech or a vet assistant um or a vet themselves but it's the question about the broader community and i you're not the first person to ask that question so oh awesome 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 i didn't want to put you on the spot i was i was no, like okay. I, hate, I hate putting people on the spot but i it popped up in my head where i was like 
oh, that would be awesome if they could offer resources for, you know, rescue work as well, because it's just, it's taxing in a different way. You know, obviously veterinarians have to worry about a lot of things um, that not necessarily, you know, rescue workers or shelter workers have to worry about, but there's still that component of mental health that is very serious. And I appreciate you letting us know. You're making me wish I'd have sent Danny instead of me. No, um, no, 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 no. So we enjoyed you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. He does a really good job of bridging that and talking mm-hmm. about, you know, why he came to Nambi from shelter mm-hmm. medicine. And I mean, it's a very powerful story, as I'm sure you can imagine. So yeah. yeah, absolutely. Maybe we can have both of you on the show and we can get you both going and we can have a, a whole roundtable talk about everything because, you know, Nikki's got that rescue side, you know, she's got the side, but I think we could have a really good discussion and kind of maybe let people Agreed. know about things they don't really think about. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thank you so much. This was fun. Thank you. Okay. Well, we'll wrap it up. And uh, thank you so much for taking time for us. We really appreciate it.